stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick. And this week, I'm joined by Zach's stock strategist, Maddie Johnson, who is also the editor of the Income Investor Portfolio, to talk about our favorite topic, the retailers. But this is a different environment than we normally have had when we've discussed the retailers on this podcast. The consumer is still healthy. They've got lots of cash in hand. And look at unemployment. It's at 3.6% as of March 2022, with many states at all-time lows. So the states have just started to put out their March uh, data. And uh, I noticed some of them are kind of interesting. We've known that the West has been real uh, hot with its job market, like Idaho and some of those states. Montana is the lowest. Um, It's been, it's at 2.3% unemployment now. That is totally full employment, basically. Everybody who wants a job can get a job. That's the fourth lowest in the nation. But look at Wisconsin. They just reported their lowest ever at 2.8%. So some of these states, it's there's jobs galore. And when there's jobs galore, you tend to spend. You feel good. You can know that if you don't like your job, you can go get a different one. People are getting uh, pay raises when they're switching jobs. Uh, even wages are on the rise. So that's all a very strong thing for the retailers. But with this little thing called inflation, it's biting this year in 2022. I go to the pump, I'm filling up my car, and it's a big hit at the pump. Also at the grocery store, food prices have risen. Even just eating out in restaurants, it seems like all the restaurants are raising uh, prices. Some things aren't being hit as bad. I don't feel like clothing or even shoes have seen real huge increases at all, but we are spending more on the things that we do need like every day, like food. And so that's causing a little bit of a bummer in this uh, great job market. And so some analysts are thinking that the consumer is going to pull back here as we head into the summer. But what will they pull back on? Which retail stocks will still be winners, which could still be losers in this kind of environment? So, Maddie, there's a lot going on. <laughs> there is a lot going on. Um, yeah, so, like, when you, you know, reached out about, you know, me coming on today, which I'm very excited to do because, you know, you know, I, I love shopping and I love retail. Yeah. Um, and I liked the dictionary spin on like what, you know, what we'll talk about, what kind of stocks we'll talk about. And as I was like thinking about, about today's episode and, and prepping for it, I, I think the big question for apparel retailers and even, um, let's like focus on apparel. Okay. So I think we, we, I feel like we don't, still don't know how many events, weddings, parties, vacations were postponed for this year. Yeah. And like another question on top of that is how many people are still going to go to all of these things and then buy all new clothes for these things or clothes, shoes, accessories, luggage, what have you. So I still think like, like there's like going to be pent up demand for like very specific, like 
apparel sectors. Maybe that's wedding dresses, uh, you know, wedding guest dresses made of honor dresses, bridesmaid dresses, new suits for guys for like these special events. And one stock I, one stock I feel benefiting from that is Revolve Group. Okay. Um, ticker is RVLV. I was just reading that um, like dresses are one of their core products. And in Q4 of last year, 2021, the dress like segment grew 140% year over year. So I just, I feel like that is like a tailwind that's going to help revolve, um, which is like an e-hip e-commerce platform that's like known for part- partnering with influencers. They yeah. just have, they have this huge Revolve Fest at Coachella every year, but apparently this year, this is definitely an aside, it was like a fire festival level disaster. I don't what? know if you saw that headline. No, I didn't uh, see it. <laughs> apparently, it was like a total mess. Um, it, it's kind of hilarious reading about it, just like how like watching like the fire Fest documentaries for you just, your jaw just strapped at like the audacity of, of the planners. Um uh. Is that bad though? Is that is that bad PR for Revolve, or is is all PR good PR, even if it's something kind of crazy? I mean, we are talking about it. We are, and like, think of like the guy who planned uh, fire. I don't Firefest. I don't even know what his name is. Like Billy something. Like he's still out there in like the hedge fund like investing VC world. Like I'm sure, like still able to get money um, from certain investors. Anyways, so that's what like i i was like thinking about for today is like how much because it is only april wedding season really hasn't started um obviously like a lot of people have gone on vacation for spring break like these past two months but summer vacations are still well ahead of us so it's just like what i still feel like we don't know um how much demand there's going to be but my guess is there's still there still is going to be a lot this year despite inflation yeah um i did see some stats that this is expected to be a record year for weddings because of all the delays and then some people actually got married you know maybe uh just officially through their state during covid but now they're having the party so you have to add those into it and i saw an article that said some venues are literally booked seven days a week so they're even having weddings on mondays Wow. <laughs> because wow. it's so much demand and they can't they can't keep up and some are just even the wedding planners are like overwhelmed and they yeah. can't get because of supply chain issues they can't get in like certain things you know that uh they used to get in like uh you know stuff in vases on the on the tables and stuff like that and they've had to change course and like figure out alternatives to some things so the the industry is in somewhat of a cast but it's it's like too much almost but that means think about all the guests yeah who are going to be going to this and i don't know about you but if i was going to a wedding this summer um i have one scheduled for the fall and yes i do want to buy a new dress for it Oh yeah. I sure. have, I, my college best friend is getting married at the end of July. And did I buy a brand new dress and brand new shoes? You bet I did. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Like we, we all want to be out there again, even though last year was supposedly the reopen this year really is the reopen. I feel. Um, yeah. So what about something like rent the runway? 
if we're all going to be going to these kind of, you know, bigger event type of things, could rent the runway, you know, make a resurgence? They've had a bit bit of a rocky start here as a public company. Um, well, their share price has at least. And so um, I don't know. I, I just saw their CEO in an interview and she said that demand, you know, is still up there because of all of these events that are going to be going on. Yeah, I, you know, that's, that's a good um, mention of Rent the Runway. I'm looking yeah. at their, their chart right now and it is yeah. not pretty. 52 week high, 477 and they got as low as $4.37. They're at almost $6 right now on um, April 19th, 2022, when we're talking about them. So they're still, still way down there. Yeah, with Rent the Runway and also Stitch Fix, that's ticker S-F-I-X, um, yeah. they, a lot of their, I feel like their core revenue comes from their subscriptions. Right. Um, but I don't know how, I know with Stitch Fix, I actually used to own the stock in my personal portfolio and I sold it painfully because <laughs> it just wasn't, it was just was not wasn't able to get out of out of the downward rut but i feel like there's a there's like a cap i don't like i don't see a lot of growth for these types of subscription services um moving forward and i know that was a that was a key issue with stitch fix um that well, like just that, yeah isn't isn't the subscription model also at risk in an inflationary environment so we just heard from uh someone over in the uk saying that all these people over there are canceling various streaming services right now because mm -hmm. they can't, right? You, you yeah, yeah. Things are kind of tight and food prices are surging or natural gas prices to heat your house. Well, sorry, Disney Plus, there's nothing on there I wanna see right now. You're going out the door, I'm canceling you. So won't the same thing kind of happen with the Stitch Fix? Do I have to have that subscription? No, I don't. Exactly, and like, do yeah. I have to spend a hundred dollars a month to get um four new pieces or four with rent the runway their subscription model is like you pay let's say a hundred dollars and i'm not sure the the correct number and you get um a set number of used clothing items coming to you every month they're not even new at rent the runway it is used clothing then if you like it enough you have the option to buy it at a discount but yeah are enough people doing that where stitch fix you do get like a curated box of clothes and accessories Right. It's all brand new stuff, right? Um, right. But it's not cheap, right? Like, it, if no. you know, canceling some like Netflix or HBO Max, that's doable. Um, yeah. So why wouldn't people then want to, you know, cancel a hundred dollar a month subscription? Right. right. So yeah, I'm not like a big fan of those in this kind of inflationary environment. But I guess we're we're gonna find out. Stick. Stitch Fix, by the way, those shares, 52-week high, 69.20, 52-week low, $8.75. So it's basically almost wiped out everything. It's now trading at about $10.40 here on April 19th, 2022. So it's just a little bit off the lows, but not much. It's basically trading near those lows. So maybe everybody, the street is thinking what we're thinking that the subscription model on, on some of these retailers is not going to be the good model with inflation, but we'll right. see. Yeah. We'll see. So switching, we'll stay on apparel, but switching to like some of the bigger names. 
So I saw an upgrade by an analyst on Lululemon, ticker L-U-L-U. Uh, we've talked about it many times on the show because it is kind of the gold standard for uh, apparel, both men's and women's. They have a big men's business now. And a lot of people, you might think, oh, Lulu, who's going to need to buy those clothes if there's inflationary pressures, right? But this analyst thinks that you still will because it's still the premium of the yoga pants and just their other products and people still are working they still do have their jobs all that so they're not going to give up their lululemon <laughs> and this kind of reminds me a little bit of 2008 2009 so lulu was publicly traded during the great recession and all i heard was endless uh, analysis that oh the stock is going to get hammered their business model is going to get hammered because who's buying a hundred dollar yoga pants during the great recession but sure. even, even in a recession like that people did and their sales held up and it was one of the winning stocks during the turnaround in 2009 2010 um, so i still feel like you can't count lulu out because Everybody is working and they will keep uh, loyal to some of their brands. Now, I did look at what the stock did. At one point, it was off 30%. And I thought of you because I remember on our last podcast, <laughs> you were saying you were considering buying Lulu. And I was like, eh, I wonder if Maddie bought any on the sale. Um, it has bounced off those lows. And now year to date, it's actually up about 4% and it's still trading expensive. It never got dirt cheap. So um, even on the 30% pullback, but it's now trading around 42 times. I think when we last talked about it, it was like 50 times or something. So it was more expensive, but yeah. um, uh, little, I, never, I don't know what I you never, think here. Well, so kind of like going off or expanding on like what you said, not only are people still working, but now people are I would say more than ever since pre-pandemic are now more comfortable going back to fitness classes and, yeah. and the gym and whatever that means. So not only do they want to look cute for a wedding, they want to look cute for their first the workout. <laughs> fitness workout in yes. class or whatever. So, and that means spending a minimum of, let's say you buy a $98 pair of leggings, uh, you know, a $68 sports bra. That's, I mean, that's a pretty penny. Yeah, so, sure. And that's just two things. And that's, I think, what has helped um, Lululemon is that their price point has always has always been high. It's never been cheap. Right. But now their price point is the standard, right? So, like, I if see. I'm not paying at least $90 for a pair of leggings, are they good leggings? Do they pass a squat test? Well, if I, you know, do a heavy squat, will everyone in the gym see <laughs> My, right. my bear behind. Yeah. No. So I think that in my presentation I gave last week about skincare, I talked about, and this was like a, for listeners, we do this like bi-weekly editors meeting and every editor uh, is in charge of, of presenting a very cool presentation for, for the rest of the team. But I talked about skincare and I talked about this one thing. It was during the tech bubble um, burst of the early 2000s. And in the recession that that formed after that and leonard um laudaire i believe that's his name from yeah from uh, estee laudaire he talked about like this lipstick phenomenon where people really wanted to to um 
keep buying and keep treating themselves during a recessionary period, these quote unquote little luxuries. So they would buy lipsticks um, because they were cheap, cheaper compared to other makeup products. You can get them well under $30 Um, today, maybe not so much, but I feel like that same logic can kind of apply to Lululemon where in people in certain tax brackets, a little luxury is a $98 pair of leggings. Or you go for a little lower, maybe, maybe it's a bike short, maybe it's a sports bra that isn't as expensive. Um, Maybe it's like a nice pair of socks or whatever. So I think like, because Lululemon as a brand is still so covetable, I, I agree with like the, that Wall Street analyst. um, And I do think that that 2022, I mean, they actually crushed it last year and they just like released earnings a few weeks ago. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just like, it just doesn't seem that they can be stopped at this point. <laughs> so, so have you bought the stock? What's, what's I have the- not bought the stock. Okay. I this, the the general like bearishness of the market so far this year has really kind of scared me. Yeah. I'm not one. I'm not a risk taker with my investing. I do love a sure thing. Um. So, okay. so something. So a stock like Lulu that that was so expensive and got hit quite hard earlier this year, I was like, no, thank you. I'll wait just a little bit. (laughs) Okay. Um, On the note, since you brought up that lipstick index thing, uh, what about beauty right now? So obviously the biggest beauty stock or one of them is Ulta, ticker ULTA. I took a look at it today on April 19th, 2022, and it's busting out to new all-time highs. So that's kind of surprising because everybody assumes, you know, most of these retailers are down on their luck, but not Ulta. Year to date now, the shares are up 3.7%. So it's wiped out its earlier losses. It did it did have weakness earlier in 2022. It's trading at 22 times forward. So cheaper than, than Lulu, about half the cost. Sure. Um, on that basis, but I know the street is very bullish on Ulta for the reasons you just mentioned, is that um, it is still the lower cost items. They are going to be in demand. We are going to all these events. We're still doing Zoom calls and all this. And people are still buying the skincare and the makeup, the lipstick. Now the masks are going away almost everywhere. So we can wear the lipsticks again. And, you know, mascara, the lashes are still super popular. And so Ulta looks like maybe the place to be right now. Yeah. And I and I'm very interested to see like how their make like their broader makeup category category is going to perform this year because yeah. you know, as we know, skincare is very hot. It's very trendy. Yeah. Everyone has a skincare regimen now. I do. I'm sure you do, like all my friends do. And that has has impacted the make like the makeup trends, right? You want to look as natural as possible, but still like wear like a CC cream or a tinted moisturizer or what or what have you. But like now with all of these events and your picture is getting taken, for me personally, if I don't wear like MAC level coverage stage makeup, <laughs> like a stage foundation, you can look really washed out in pictures. Yeah, especially if you're 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 a part of a wedding party, like your face is like it's going to be like a full on mask with all the makeup on. Right. Right. So I'm very interested to see like 
how foundation's going to perform, how eyeshadow palettes, like eyeliner, blushes, bronzers, contours, yeah. all that stuff. Um, and how like if sales will will start uh, creeping back up again. Yeah, uh, going into the pandemic, makeup had slowed considerably. There wasn't like yeah. a new trend. There wasn't the contouring because that had happened a couple of years before that. Um, you had like the Kylie thing with the lips, but then that was over and there wasn't like a driver for the makeup segment. And then the pandemic hit and it just got crushed down because we didn't need to wear it. We're all in our right. houses and then we had masks on and all this stuff. So makeup just got hammered. But if that category can turn around, which it, I think it will be, it will inevitably turn around. There will be some new products and some new hot things. It, that's how it works. Um, but when that does happen, a company like Ulta is really going to see, you know, big gains because makeup for them is their largest category still. Yeah. It's like over 50% of their revenue is on the makeup side. So yeah. They get that moving, it's you know justifying this breakout here and a little bit of a premium. What do you think on uh buying something like Estee Lauder? More on the luxury side on makeup, you know, they're the actual company. Um, not I mean, they sell in retail stores and you can buy online for Estee Lauder, but they have some of the premier brands and that stock has been on fire all throughout the pandemic, but it has pulled back this year. What do you think about somebody like them on beauty? Um, I like Estee Lauder, right? Like they are more of like, right. They were started. They began as just Estee Lauder with like four core products, but now they are a like nearly like a hundred billion dollar beauty multi-conglomerate, like giant, yeah. global yeah. giant. They have really hot brands like Bobby Brown and Clinique, MAC Cosmetics, which I mentioned before, um, yeah. La Mer, that very yeah. expensive uh, I skincare <laughs> company. Who like, can afford that? Not in this market. I right? will say every year, Nordstrom, they have their anniversary sale in the summer and they have La Mer products, like certain products from that brand are on sale during this anniversary sale. Oh. And I remember, I don't know if you remember, but we were still in the office and I showed you, they had like this tub, like this massive tub, I would say like maybe like 40 ounces or 60 wow. ounces. I don't even know if that's a lot of like the original La Mer cream. And it was price tagged at $1,200. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I'm so for a big one yeah yeah um which is just like outrageous but also you know some people buy that right um, right but Estee Lauder I think like <laughs> yeah I think it kind of has gotten forgotten about because like with like the the resurgence of uh of Alta um a company yeah. like Sephora which is under the LVMH umbrella which you can, I believe you can put, you can buy shares um, of here in the U.S. But it it's kind of, you know, I don't feel like people, it's kind of like how in retail, like not a lot of people think of companies like G3 Apparel or um, PBH, where they are like massive, hey. massive companies with like a huge brand portfolio. Um, so 
you know, buying into like a company like Estee Lauder or Cody Inc., which owns um, a ton of brands and the Kylie and the Kim Kardashian brand, they own at least a stake in um, that. I think now is the time kind of time for for these stocks to shine, for them to like be able to like rightfully break out. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So let's switch over to furniture. Because we normally don't really cover furniture. We've covered them a couple of times over the years, but it hasn't been lately. And it's been one of the hot areas in the pandemic. All the furniture stocks soared because we all had to rush out and buy desks and new couches and just whatever for our houses. And now that's kind of cooled and the stocks have retreated now because people are worried. Do I need to buy furniture if there's all this inflation out there? Won't I pull back on that? It's kind of discretionary, really. And so there's a lot of fears around it. Um, I personally have owned Williams and Sonoma, which is ticker WSM, for several years now. I want to say four to five years, but I just sold it last week. I finally, I'm I'm out of there. I had a nice gain and the stock is uh, not holding up too well here. And I feel like it could still go lower and I wanted to redeploy. I still love Williams and Sonoma and I love what they're doing with the business and their brands like West Elm is still crushing it. But I do feel on the furniture side that the housing market will slow here as the rates rise and then the inflationary pressures. I think some people will hold off on some furniture purchases. I agree. Like this is like the one area of aspects that I'm just like, I I like the momentum that they've seen over the past few years. I just don't think it's sustainable. Yeah, especially because, like you said, mortgage rates are now like they're at five percent or above five percent. So d- just for that reason alone, the housing market is not going to you know attract as many buyers in. So I don't I don't know. Like I own Ethan Allen, an income investor. Okay, it has just given me. <laughs> I, yes, I, I had like, it's it's one of those stocks where the business is solid, like actually like really solid. Right. A lot yes. of their their product is made here in the US. So when oh. like the supply chain crisis like blew up last year, they weren't that wasn't necessarily like a huge issue for them because all of their a lot of their supplies they didn't have to get, you know, shipped from around the globe. Yeah. They had it here. And their dividend is like really rock solid, um, nice, really juicy annual yield, but it just has not gone anywhere. It truly is like one of right. those stocks where no one seems to to care, care. at all yeah. Yeah. about about Ethan Allen or and really like some of like the other furniture makers too. That is true. Um, it's the same with Bassett, same with Haverty. People know these names, they shop there, but, and the stocks are, are cheap. They, they're having record sales still. A lot of them pay dividends or even special dividends, as you mentioned, like Ethan Allen. They've got great balance sheets, but the street is just totally turned against almost all yeah. these companies right here. What about, um, what about RH? How are they doing? Um, well, that stock's been cut in half. So, and then... <gasps> You know, Gary Friedman, the CEO, just had like the the doom and gloom conference call because they manufacture a lot of their product in China. And so now they're facing 
the supply chain issues even more so than they did, you know, last year. So that's really impacting the cost, uh, the inflationary pressures and the costs of the containers. Um, Gary went on about, you know, the the new contract they just entered into in March and the further increase in the costs on those containers to, to ship everything in. And that's hitting, they are still moving forward with launching a couple key lines because the, you know, the job market is good, right? Um, but RH is also predicated a lot on what happens with the stock market because of their wealthy clientele. Uh, they do buy more furniture when the stock market is up. So we've had, you know, a rocky start to 2022 in the stock market, especially those big growth names. And so some of the luxury furniture buyers are kind of moving on the sidelines a bit, it seems. So RH is kind of, it's gone on sale. If you were interested in it at $700 a share, you might be real interested in it at $350. I'm kind of waiting for them to open in England. They're supposed to open RH England this year. Wow. It's, it's a big estate outside of London that they bought. And they're renovating. So bougie, it. so yes. <laughs> and you know, it's it's one of their experiences, but it's going to have the orangerie and all of that stuff on the estate, and you can like picnic there and all this stuff. So I kind of want to visit it. I want to go over there and just to check it out. But it's they like also full uh, Bridgerton vibes. They just went. Like, they watch Bridgerton. They're like, this yes. is what we're doing. A hundred percent. Um, so I'm excited to see what they do with that. And then they did just launch in San Francisco. So anyone who's listening in San Francisco and wants to check out what is, what it's all about with RH, they converted the Bethlehem steel building. It's a historic building in San Francisco along one of the piers. Literally it's taking them like, I don't even know. It was like six or seven years. They've been converting it. Finally, it was done. They had a big party. It, you can eat it on the rooftop restaurant and the building is gorgeous. So if you're in San Francisco or the Bay Area, go over there and check it out because I'm thinking about going there too just to check out the, the, the <laughs> restaurant because that that one is is beautiful because of the historic building and what they what they did with it. So so yeah, like they're a little more than furniture. They are the experience thing. I still own the shares in my own personal portfolio. People who follow me on Twitter know that I've owned them for many years now. Um, I do tweet out the conference calls, so they're always interesting, but so are the Williams and Sonoma and some of the other furniture makers I've listened in on. And they're all still seeing the, the strong demand for the most part, but um supply chain is is an issue and then just the street thinking it's peak earnings you know kind of like myself that's why i sold out williams and sonoma um but but is it i don't know they've been the street's been wrong for a while on the furniture uh stocks because they said it was peak about a year ago too but it wasn't the the sales are still there we're still nesting we still want to be at home we're still buying, you know, the bread makers and whatnot. We're still cooking at home. All the sure. supermarket chains are saying, you know, they're seeing very good comparable comps from last year, even further growth at the supermarkets, even with the higher prices, because people are, you know, still at home cooking. And now if the restaurant's going to be really expensive, I maybe will stay home because that's cheaper still than eating out the restaurants. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's it's going to be an interesting 
area to watch as this year goes on on the retail side. So definitely, definitely. yeah, so there there definitely is a lot going on, and the retailers I, I do feel are are a bit of a mystery here, even as we get some of these reports in. And some are, have been better than expected. Like even Lulu's last report, I knew it would be good because it was the holiday quarter, but they do have a big China business. So I was curious to see if you know the lockdowns and restrictions from COVID over there were impacting, but it wasn't that bad, but that was a couple of weeks ago. Hard to know what's happening now, but even over in China, the consumer will bounce back. We, we all know this from the COVID shutdowns. Like, the shutdown ends and then you do want to go back out there into the world and buy things. So that will happen in China as well. So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I would say um, just a one last thing is don't yeah. sleep on the big box retailers, listeners, uh, Costco crushing it, Target yes. crushing it, Walmart, not as hot, but like, I feel like there's an opportunity there for Walmart's WMT. Um, that's their ticker symbol to yeah. kind of, to bounce back a little bit there each company is is has been really good i would say even over the past five years of adapting to um like a changing retail environment specifically amazon and like their impact on retail as a whole and then um just innovating whether that's um you know both walmart and targets uh, buy online pick up in store I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can do that at Costco because that's like I feel like that would be a major undertaking with like a wholesale. Yeah, I store, can. But you can get you can get stuff like delivered from Costco.com, and you know that's just it's kind of like what you mentioned with the supermarket, like 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 Kroger. You know, they just they have. I think each company has like a really good management team in place, and once you have that, they they know how to adapt. They know how to innovate, and that's just really exciting to see for for you know these like traditional big box retailers yeah what do you think about amazon here the shares have gone nowhere for about 16 months they were actually down about seven percent over the last year the last i checked so you haven't been getting anything there's no dividend they are going to split the shares this summer and it has a new ceo in jesse but I, I don't know. And they're they're raising the price of Prime because of the inflation. How how's that gonna go? Are people gonna cancel that? I don't know. Nobody's really talking no. about these things with Amazon and the, the pressures they're facing on the inflation side and how costly it is for them to do, you know, two hour shipping while gas prices are rising, wages are yeah. rising, all of this stuff. I don't know. I maybe this. I don't even think this is a bold prediction, but I doubt there's going to be very few people canceling Amazon Prime. Okay. Do you have it? Do you have Prime? Oh yeah. I wouldn't. Me too. I wouldn't, and I'm not, I would I'm not never not have it. Right. It's like, and I try to be good when it, like I try to be like good Amazon shopper and not have these <laughs> delivered the next day. Like I try to do right. like, oh, me I too. don't need this book for like five days. Sure, like get it shipped to me on Monday, and it's like Wednesday now or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I try to be like very conscious of of the workers like having to 
run between all of the... Are we, are we the only ones who do that? I, like, I thought it was just me, but I, I'm always like, yes, please consolidate into one shipment. And oh, yeah, I can I can take it five days from now. Like, I feel bad. Like <laughs> they'll, they'll give oh. you digital rewards. So if you want to like right. rent a movie or like buy a book on Kindle, like you get a dollar fifty off or whatever. Right. Um, so <laughs> because of that, but also, I mean, all of us have gotten so accustomed to free two-day shipping that if yeah. even on any other platform, if I have to pay for shipping, I'm like, do I even really want this? Right. <laughs> even if it's $5, like, I'm just like, well, maybe I can wait. Right. You get like outraged if you have to pay, but we are paying through the prime membership, but it doesn't feel the same way. Cause it's like once a year we pay that. Exactly. Like there's like, it's such a mentality that we've all, that we've all grown into. And it's like the same thing with like, being really attracted to like something that costs $9.99 or like $9.95 or something where it's like, it's not $10. Actually, it's less than $10. So that's a deal or whatever, you know? So do you actually use, watch the videos? Do you watch Amazon Prime videos? Oh, I have Prime Video. Yeah, like I actually, a lot of, um, I use Prime Video as I like add on to it. So like I'm currently subscribed to Stars. Okay. Um, via Prime Video. Yeah. Um, and AMC Plus, very randomly. Okay. Um, but I wa- really wanted to watch Bad Men, Mad Men from start to finish, and that's all there with like no commercial breaks. So I was like, sure, I'll pay eight ninety nine a month for the whatever, however many months it takes me to watch this show. Um, and then Better Call Saul just came back on, so now I'm like, well, I guess I'm keeping it until that show's over. Um, so yeah, their their video streaming does uh, keep you around in the Prime membership. For sure. Not just, okay, yeah, me too. It's not yeah. just the the free ship or the shipping, you know, is covered and all that. It it is. I mean, if it was like if it wasn't video and if it was just like your fifty cent discount every time you go to Whole Foods, because like that's all there is with like that code. I'm like, oh, yeah. maybe I would cancel it. Right. Like every time I use the code at Whole Foods, it's like you saved $1.37. And I'm like, really? (laughs) Yeah, that, that, that didn't really go over all that well, I feel because you, you know, if I save $2 at the Whole Foods, that's like a miracle. Using (laughs) like a big, big day. I'm like, wow, $2. So yeah, I feel like they haven't really um, because of the food inflation, uh, as part of yeah. it, they haven't been able to offer like prime discounts on many items because no. of increasing prices. So, okay, so Amazon, that'll be a big one to watch the earning season, but all these retailers will be because things are shifting quite dramatically here in 2022 as those mortgage rates rise, as you mentioned, and inflation keeps picking up. It was 8.4% in March. So um, that's not been very pleasant for most of us, even though the the job market is still so good. So these are the ones to watch. And we have a long list of stocks on this show, (laughs) but we had to go out with a big bang here. So let me list out all the tickers and um, so that you have all of those. So we talked about Revolve Group. That's the online uh, retailer RVLV. Then we mentioned Rent the Runway, R E N T. Stitch Stitch Fix, I can never say that. It's like a tongue twister. <laughs> is S F 
I-X. S is in Sam, F is in Frank, I-X as in X-ray. Then Lululemon, L-U-L-U. We had Ulta Beauty, U-L-T-A, Estee Lauder, E-L. We did mention Nordstrom's briefly. J-W-N is the ticker there. Um, uh, Louis Vuitton, is that the one we were mentioning? No, LVMH. LVMH does trade here. It's L-V-M-U-Y, I think is the ticker yes. here. Yeah. Uh, Cody, we mentioned them on the beauty side, C-O-D-Y, Williams and Sonoma on furniture, W-S-M, uh, Ethan Allen on furniture, E-T-D is the ticker there, E-T-D, R-H is just R-H. We mentioned Costco, C-O-S-T, Target, T-G-T, Walmart, W-M-T, Amazon, A-M-Z-N, and we mentioned Kroger brief, briefly there. K-R is the ticker there. So that's a, quite a list. Do you own any of these, Maddie? In your own portfolio? <laughs> I do own Target in my personal portfolio, and I also own Target, Kroger, Ethan Allen, I mentioned, and Income Investor. Okay. Yeah, there, we didn't even mention that part of it. There are some good dividends. Well, we kind of did with Ethan Allen, but there are some good dividends with many of these. Some don't pay anything like Ulta or Lulu. Some are doing share buybacks though. So you should check into that because that's still a benefit, but there are some good dividend yields with with some of these, especially on a pullback. Um, on yeah. this list, I do own a couple of them as well. So I did sell my Williams and Sonoma. Sorry, Williams and Sonoma, you're out of <laughs> Um, RH, I still own that one. And I own Lulu. I bought it a couple of years ago. I finally caved. I did buy Lulu a couple of years ago. And Ulta Beauty, I also own. And that's one of my oldest holdings. I bought that originally back in 2014. It's been kind wow. of a road. Yeah. It's been up and down and some, some bad years where the shares didn't go anywhere. And then um, a little bit of pressure here again during the pandemic on the shares, but now again, busting out to new highs. I also own some Amazon that I bought a couple of years ago as well. Not for the retail side, however, I did buy it for AWS because I love that aspect of the business, but I just happened to get the retail <laughs> along with it. <laughs> Um, so yes, it's quite a list and you want to be sure to subscribe to the market edge so you don't miss a single episode because who knows what we're covering next, but you can get it on Apple podcasts and we're on Spotify, but make sure you get us somewhere and I'll see you again next week with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.